Today on Exposed, the Kalo podcast, we're going to be looking at some interesting stuff. First of all, we're going to talk about the big pharma settlement, you know, about the Oxycontin and how those responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of people may just get away with murder and never be held personally responsible for their greed and their callousness. Wrong, isn't it? <clears throat> Speaking of callousness, January 6th, there is so much new footage coming out that pretty much shows it was really started by people in the government. It was started by probably the Capitol Police and plants by the FBI. I wonder where this is going to lead. It's going to be interesting. And then we've got the most disturbing report that I've seen in a long time. Senator Dick Durbin refuses to even acknowledge the importance of releasing the flight logs of that scumbag Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, really, what are you hiding, Dickie boy? Come out from the closet. And while we're talking about dirty business, guess which of Biden's close friends is trying to bring about a societal chaos here in the United States? Well, it might be obvious to some of us. You know, we, we, we know a little better. We could read into the news. But Biden, he, we already know he's the, the king of chaos. And although he's the king of chaos, I think he may need some help to win the 24 election. <laughs> I'm sure most of you know who I'm going to, who I'm thinking about here. I'm talking about President Xi from China. We're going to be discussing these topics and more today on Exposed. Listen, if you haven't already, would you please write us, write us a review, send me an email, let me know what topics you may want us to discuss, and subscribe to our channel. We really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for your support and watching. So the big pharma settlement regarding Oxycontin, this is unbelievable. I think about the number of people, hundreds of thousands of people who have actually given their lives without even knowing, you know, they, they were suffering, they're struggling with life, and they, they start taking this medication, which was meant really for short-term pain medication, long-term pain medication, but what they found out, it's really only short-term, and so people get addicted to it. Well, the people involved in this Oxycontin drug are basically trying to get away with the responsibility that they have after they've made millions of dollars in producing this drug. So now after they make this millions of dollars, they want to buy their way out of the problem, okay? Paying off people basically is what they want to do. Um, and then they want to insulate themselves from any personal responsibility. So I, I want you to listen, first of all, to this clip. It's going to kind of set the stage as to what happened with Oxycontin and what the history is behind. It's a very short clip, but pay attention. Here it is. A landmark court ruling on Tuesday cleared the way for opioid manufacturer Purdue Pharma to settle thousands of legal claims tied to the opioid epidemic. The ruling from a federal appeals court in New York also protects members of the billionaire Sackler family who own the company from current or future lawsuits. Under the plan, the Sacklers will give up ownership of Purdue, enabling it to become a new company called NOAA, with profits being sent to a fund to treat and prevent 
prevent addiction. Family members will also pay about $6 billion of their own cash over time, with a chunk of that money, roughly $750 million, going to individual victims of the opioid crisis and their survivors. Now, those payments are estimated to range from about $3,500 to $48,000. The Sackler family and a lawyer for the victims praised the decision, while some activists have called for members of the family to be prosecuted for crimes. Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Now, this next video, again, it's a very short video, but it gives you some background history on these uh, scummy bunch of people that are involved with this pharmaceutical company that uh, basically produced Oxycontin. Here it is. As time went on, Purdue would go on to face many class action lawsuits in regard to their practices with the drug. Often the company settled, awarding plaintiffs millions. In 2004, Purdue was sued for deceptive marketing as the drugs were meant to last 12 hours but lasted much less. The company settled the suit for $10 million, sealing the case under confidentiality and admitting no wrongdoing or changing any practices. Purdue always avoided any Sacklers testifying under oath. They always reached a settlement just as they were going to be called upon. In 2007, the company faced a suit from the federal government in which Purdue was charged for a criminal felony of purposefully pushing misconceptions about OxyContin. Purdue acknowledged that they knew about the misconceptions doctors had about their drug and actively exploited it for profits. This settlement cost Purdue $600 million. Even though a lot of the Sackler family were on the board and Richard Sackler had a direct hand in operations, the Sackler family name appeared nowhere in the 89-page guilty plea. However, the Sackler name did appear on an agreement attached to the plea, which would mean that the government wouldn't go after any of the listed entities related to the Sackler family. The company's eagerness to settle was in order to avoid anything going on the public record, especially anything from the Sacklers themselves. The family's only testimony on the topic came in 2015 from Richard. Sealed from public view for four years and only released in 2009, the testimony showed that Richard Sackler knew about the dangers of OxyContin, in 2001, after it was reported that 59 people died from OxyContin overdoses, his email to executives read, that is not too bad, it could have been far worse. That's wrong, isn't it? That is just so wrong. And it shouldn't be like that here in America. I mean, America is in trouble. Justice is not what it's supposed to be. In this particular case, those responsible are basically buying their way out of going to jail or having any personal responsibility for these hundreds of thousands of people who have died. So they want to pay $6 billion to the victims of OxyContin. But they want to do it over the next two decades. So here, here's how it works. I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but I, I find it so frustrating. You know, I don't want to cry either uh, because it is that sad. They set aside $6 billion for the victims. And then they're going to pay out this money. Of course, not the whole $6 billion. We'll get to that in a minute. But they're going to pay out this money to the victims and the victim's family over 18 to 20 years. So the way that works is they set aside $6 billion from their profits of this drug that killed people. And they put it into an account where they're making interest. And the interest is going to pay off their debt that they owe to society. It's ridiculous. And the clincher is nobody responsible, okay, can get sued by the families or victims. They're, they're isolating themselves from any lawsuits. But here's the stranger part. 
you know, the government gets their hands on the settlement. And then the government uses the money that they get to pressure state and local governments to do whatever the Fed wants them to do, depending on the administration that's in power. And listen, the system is broken, man. And it's designed pretty much to favor the growth of the federal government and to give more and more control to the government, more and more power to the government over the states and over you and I as American citizens. And pretty much that's the reason, um, you know, when I look at people like whether they're Democrat or Republican or independent, it really doesn't matter. They're all pretty similar because the underlying philosophy of the majority of people today we have in government is that the government is our caretaker. The government's the one who watches over everybody. They're, 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 it's a nanny state. That's pretty much what it's turned into. It's turned into a nanny state where the government tells us what to do in every single case. So the, the government gets a piece of the settlement. The attorneys get a big piece of the settlement. And then, well, we'll send a little bit of money to the fa- victim or their families. <laughs> the families get what's left over after the Fed and the lawyers get their shares. And what do you think is left over? Pennies. The agreement stated this. Listen, listen I'll, I'll read it to you. The fund would pay out between $3,500 and $48,000 to victims and their families with payments spread out over 10 years. Imagine losing a loved one. Son, daughter, husband, wife. Imagine losing a loved one to Oxycontin. And believe it or not, not all the people that died uh, due to Oxycontin was because of um, you know, uh, illicit drug use or because they were addicts. That's not true. There was a high percentage of people who just died because they were injured and the doctor gave moxicotin in, in order to help with the pain. And then out of that, they became addicted to the pain medication. They were in serious pain. They really were in pain, couldn't operate or work or do anything that they normally would do on a regular basis. And by taking that drug, their systems began to shut down and eventually they overdosed and died. So imagine getting the maximum, let's say, you know, be really magnanimous here, you know, and they give you the $48,000. First of all, what's $48,000? You can't even buy a new car with $48,000, really, unless you buy a foreign, you know, whatever, little Hyundai or something. I mean, what are you going to buy? $48,000 doesn't do very much today. But on top of it, they want to give you $200 a month for 240 months. What are you going to do with $200 a month? You can't even go buy groceries for a week for $200 for any family. (laughs) And that's the problem. A pile of money like this, when that much money's at stake, everybody wants to get their hands in it. Everybody wants a piece of the action. And so far to date, more than $3 billion has been given out in the form of settlements on the opioid crisis. Crisis. And already, okay, that money has landed into the coffers of local and state um, already. They've already had the money. They've already begun spending the money. And they're going to get continual payments all the way through 2038. Think about this. Money's supposed to be a form of restitution for the people who died, hundreds of thousands of Americans that died. Why does the government get restitution? Isn't it the government that gave the pharmaceuticals the permission to sell the drugs in the first place? 
Wasn't it the FDA, Federal Drug Administration? Uh, hello? Yes? So they give them the permission to sell the drug that they know is going to kill people, and then the federal government gets money in the end when they get a slap on the hand for doing the wrong thing. Bad, 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 bad boy. And then they get billions of dollars. It, it, that's not what restitution is. And the money that goes to the states, they're fighting over who gets to spend it where and for what program. People want the money to go towards whatever uh, business they're in. So in each state, they set up what's called like a committee, like a council. And that's appointed usually by government or local officials. Well, who do you think, where do you think the money's going to go? Well, it's going to go to whoever those people, you know, have as friends or businesses. Maybe they themselves are involved in the business. Where do you think the money's going to go? That's where it's going to go. And all across the country, this is happening and has been happening behind the scenes because we haven't been told about it. This has been happening. Billions of dollars being spread out, paid out, and local governments are using it for their own ideals. I mean, it's supposed to go to help the victims of drug addiction, but there's no oversight. No, there's no oversight. What they do basically is they say, well, you know, it has to be used for these programs, but you know, there's this latitude in there. There is no government agency, no one overlooking or no one looking at the accounting of actually where the money goes. So the money goes to fill potholes. Uh, the money goes to, you know, help this or help that. Listen, in Connecticut, you know what they did? <laughs> they took a percentage of the money and gave it to the tobacco farmers <laughs> in order to help them with tobacco when they were getting money from the tobacco industry for the people who died from the use of tobacco. Listen, this is all such a big scam. And you and I have been out of the loop. We don't even see where this is going. One settlement, this recent Oxycontin settlement, one settlement, this will be the biggest infusion of funding into the addiction treatment in 50 years. That could do a lot to help people with addiction, but will it? Of course not. Of course not. Why? Because I don't have any faith in people anymore. Because they won't use it for what it's supposed to be used for. As I just mentioned, you may not remember when the tobacco companies made a settlement, but they did this. They made a settlement and they said, as long as we continue to sell cigarettes or any form of tobacco, you know, chew or whatever it might be, um, we will continue to pay out from our profits. We'll continue to pay out money every single year. And those billions of dollars every year get paid to the government, and then the government distributes it to the states, okay? It's supposed to help people who are, you know, struggling with diseases from tobacco. <laughs> that didn't happen. It didn't happen. See, the government always finds a way to survive and thrive at our cost, at the cost of our loved ones, at the cost of people who may not even know any better. Those who are down and out get sucked into tobacco or drugs. In this recent settlement, the opioid crisis, they were hoping, I, I use the word hope, because they wanted to mandate or stipulate is probably a better word. They wanted to stipulate that 85% of this opioid money had to go to opioid-related expenses. Okay? And the way it's written is this. Listen. Um, 
qualifying expenses will be used as the standard for how the money is to be expended. So guess what the attorneys did? Because <laughs> an attorney can twist anything. You know, remember, you know, it depends on what the definition of is is, President Clinton. Well, qualifying expenses now basically mean whatever they want it to mean. Why? Because there's no oversight. So, well, you know, this is a qualified expense, and then they rationalize it. You may not have known that there was an agency called the Office of National Drug Control Policy. Never even heard of it before I did research on this. This Office of National Drug Control Policy regularly, I'm going to read it to you, regularly discusses the use of settlement dollars with governors, mayors, and other elected officials. Um, what are they discussing? Come to find out what they're discussing is the federal government wants to ensure that the money that they send to the state or local government is used to bolster, reinforce, or strengthen the topic of the day, whatever the federal government is pushing. So uh, let's say the government wants to push the LGBTQ agenda. Ah, well, if the state of Connecticut or New York or Wyoming or if you don't, you know, adhere to the federal government's policies on LGBTQ, ah, you can't get the money. So guess what people do? They adhere because it's about the money. Uh, back in the 70s, unfortunately, I am old enough to remember. Uh, that's when I began to drive. Uh, the Nixon administration dangled a carrot with the federal transportation funding. There was an energy crisis at the time. Granted, it was a manufactured crisis, but it was still real. We had to wait in lines to get gas. And I remember, it was ridiculous. Uh, gas was 30 cents a gallon, okay? But we had to wait in line to get gas. So the, the administration, Nixon administration, wanted the states to reduce oil consumption. So what they did was they imposed a maximum speed limit of 55 miles an hour, but they couldn't mandate it to the states. So instead, what they did, Nixon, a Republican, signed a law stating that states could receive federal highway funding if they lowered the speed limit to 55 miles an hour. No, I'm sorry. It didn't say to 55. It just said they had to lower the speed limits. That's, that's what they had to do. In the end, all the states complied. Why? Because of money. It, it, it's a big scam, and the government is always finding and using money in order to control more and more people. They get in our pockets, they take our money, and then they use the money that they took from us to control us with more and more legislation. It's wrong. It shouldn't be like that. It is like that. And the only way we're ever going to be able to change that is if you and I do something about it. So the federal government spends money like the settlement money. They spend money like water because they, I think they think they have a money tree in their backyard. And well, actually, well, the treasury is kind of like a money tree. I mean, you heard of quantitative easing. That's when the government decides to print money. So they could actually just, you know, write checks for whatever they want. Um, and they do. But why? Why would the government want to put the United States in debt? Why would they want to put us in debt even further? Well, see, the government and the blood-sucking attorneys, they're the ones that work together 
so that all these laws basically favor the government and those who are in charge with the government. So the opioid settlement and any other large settlements that come up, the victims get hardly anything and the government and the attorneys make the bulk of the money. So the system's broken, my friends. It needs to be fixed. There's something wrong. There's so little left of truth and justice, but I don't even know how you can fix this system. I think the only way is it's got to be like torn down and revamped, started all over again. I, I don't know how we could ever recover from such a perverted and corrupt justice system. I don't know. Speaking of justice, or lack thereof, we have this whole January 6th issue moving quicker to the center of stage right now. Um, I don't know whether you know it or not, but there's over 4,000, I think it is, 4,000 hours of video that's available right now from the January 6th uh, event. And the truth is leaking out, and it's leaking out everywhere. I mean, why do you think Pelosi kind of ditched Washington, D.C.? I think she knew she had to get out of town and get out quick. Because I think she was the, um, the ringleader behind it all. Because we know President Trump asked for you know, um, more troops to be available on that day in case anything were to happen. And she's the one that turned it down. And the Capitol Police turned it down. They, they didn't want to know anything about it. He has to make the request, but Pelosi um, has to actually be the one that issues the orders. And, of course, they didn't. And we know what happened subsequent to that. But there's so many things coming into the limelight right now. And I, I can only hope that we hold on to the House in the 24 election. I mean, I hope we win the presidency, don't get me wrong, and, and the Senate, and we need it all. But I, I hope we at least hold on to the House. It's so critical because that's the purse strings. That's the money. But if we don't put Trump in office in 24, I fear, I fear for the future of America and American justice because these guys, like Biden, they're tearing it, tearing it down. So I got a few video clips from January 6th. I'm sure you may not have even seen these yet, but here's a few clips I want you to look at. They're going to run back to back. There's three or four of them or whatever, but they're very short. Here they are. Watch them. Most of the violent footage that people have seen with actual protesters being violent or combative with police was around the West Capitol entrance where Roseanne Boylan was killed. Uh, they knew that people were getting crushed because while we're at the bottom of this pile, we're yelling as loud as we can, we're dying, we're dying, help, help. What you're currently witnessing is Capitol Police officers disobeying their oath to defend the Constitution and to protect human life. We have a scene right now unfolding on the West Terrace Tunnel entrance that people died in. It was an absolutely horrific, grotesque scene of police brutality, unrivaled in American history. We have thousands of people who witnessed Roseanne Boylan's death, 34-year-old woman from Georgia. She died in the hands of the Capitol Police. They pummeled her over onto the ground. They caused a stampede in which she got ran over. They pepper sprayed her while she was down. They put noxious tear gas in the atmosphere. She couldn't breathe, and she ended up dying in my arms. And may God rest her soul. The real fights that the news talks about in the media, where they drag the police officer down and they're beating the police officer and all that, and they say the things about the police they shouldn't be saying, that was after they killed Roseanne Boylan. 
That was after they almost killed me. That was after they gassed an entire crowd. right now, like Philip Anderson. He's a young black man from Texas who's a brave patriot who's come forward recently and signed an affidavit, court-sworn affidavit, that, saying that if it wasn't for me, that he would be dead that day by the hands of the Capitol Police. This is just another story of the countless stories that are horrific from January 6th of people being shot with tear gas canisters, hit with rubber bullets, pummeled over the head with steel batons. There was a concerted effort by the Capitol Police today, that day, to absolutely punish the American people and hurt them, and not to defend human life, and not to usher them into the building and take selfies like we've seen at some different parts. On the West Terrace Tunnel entrance, they were there to hurt people. They weren't fighting back with getting crushed. What they did was they pushed more and more people on top of us. They were beating and beating and beating. Everything they said about Roseanne Boylan from the very beginning is a lie. They straight up killed her. It was murder. And... I was holding her hand as she died, all right? And everything she felt, I felt as well, because I was right there next to her at the bottom of the pile holding her hand. There's nothing more devastating than watching men and women unarmed be killed by our own police officers in this country. Roseanne Boylan was seen being beaten by a policewoman while she was laying there seemingly unconscious. I, I know. I know. I felt exactly the same way the first time I watched them. I mean, my mouth must have been like hung open. I mean, I knew there was something happening. I knew there was more to it than what we heard. And I've heard rumors of it all. But actually seeing it, wow. So you heard this guy talking about these uh, disorientation devices. Uh, they're called uh, concussion grenades uh, or flashbangs or stun grenades. They're all pretty much the same. Uh, they're designed basically to produce a loud explosion uh, or and or a, a brilliant flash of light. And so what it does is it, 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 it stuns you and, and, you know, ears start ringing and it's very disorienting. And it's used in crowd control. The intended purpose for this um, was actually in war, okay? Uh, but they began to use it uh, for crowd management. The British, uh, actually the ones that kind of designed this uh, initial devices back in the early 60s, 1960s, and they used it as a training tool, um, later taking them into uh, military weaponry. And today, these devices now are common uh, uh, among many police departments, believe it or not. I mean, why didn't they use it back in you know, the riots of 2020? Uh, I don't know, but they didn't. 
so I, I want to talk about these because this is important to understand. This is what they used to set the crowd off. See, they, the, the mainstream media wants us to believe that, you know, uh, the MAGA people were there. and We started the riot. But the truth is what happened is there were plants out there. There were FBI men that were dressed like MAGA. There were Capitol Police. It was all a setup. And the videos showed some of it, but there's so much more video. So these devices are similar to conventional grenades. Uh, you know, they have a, a gunpowder and it's ignited with a fuse upon impact. So after being thrown, okay, they detonate usually within a second and a half. And the magnesium-based pyrotechnic chemicals inside generate a bright flash and a loud bang. 160 to 180 decibels. I mean, that's enough to pierce your eardrum, okay, especially up close. So they cause temporary blindness, uh, hearing loss, uh, you, you lose your balance, and it's, it's very disorienting. And of all these different devices, each of these has the potential to cause serious injury. So we know that the MAGA people didn't bring them in. The far right didn't bring in grenades. Okay, This came from the Capitol Police and or FBI or whoever else was actually deeply involved in all this. And that's why there were so many people with burns. There was, people went to the hospital. They had various injuries. Um, including burns to the face, uh, burns, actually eyes. They had, uh, what do you call it, when your retina or lens or whatever gets, gets burned. Uh, respiratory issues, trouble uh, breathing. Uh, there were crash injuries, people hitting into walls or falling down on the ground because of the, the loud noise and the bang and the disorientation. Uh, there were uh, psychological traumas due to the same thing, the sound and the panic during that event. Um, it's terrible. And the only way... The truth of January 6th is going to be revealed as if you and I start to spread the news of it. I, I know you're going to be unpopular. <laughs> I know what it's like. I'm unpopular. Okay. Now, of course, many of my friends are coming around a little, but we're going to be unpopular. But you know what? I don't care anymore because the truth needs to get out. And the more we spread the truth, the easier the 24 election is going to be because all this deception um, is a hallmark of the wicked. These are wicked and evil people. And we see this type of wickedness in our next topic today. And you know what that is? Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein's flight locks. <laughs> there are so many unanswered questions about this guy and, and his fantasy island that he had out there. Um, and the, 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 the tens of hundreds or even thousands of women that have been trafficked out to that island and the famous people who have been there on multiple occasions. This is crazy. We need to find out the truth behind um, what was going on there and how many people may have been or maybe still are involved. You say, well, how's that happened? He's dead. Yes, but I'm sure that you know the concept and the idea still lives on. And I think the American people, you and I, we have a right to know. We need to know who took part in Jeffrey Epstein's business. I mean, I want to know how large this business really was, not how much money he died with. I don't care. I want to know where the money was coming from. I want to hear about the survivors. There are many women who were used and abused on that island. I want to hear their stories. Where are they? Were they paid off? Maybe we can still get to them. The truth will set them free, but we got to help make that happen. Why is the government and the bureaucracy stalling about getting information about Jeffrey Epstein? I just don't get it.
Now, Dick Durbin is the Judiciary Committee chairman. He claimed he wasn't aware of Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, her amendment to subpoena Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs. He claimed he never heard about it. But here's the facts, my friends. Senator Blackburn pushed for her amendment in numerous judiciary hearings that Dick Durbin presided over. You understand? He presided over on November 9th and November 30th of this year, 2023. So why is this guy lying? What's he trying to hide? You only lie for one or two reasons. Either you're guilty or you're hiding the truth for someone else. Either, either case, you're still guilty. So I want to know what's happening behind the scenes. It's been years now since Jeffrey Epstein supposedly took his own life. We don't even know if that's true. And yet none of these questions have been answered. The, the list of visitors to his island is it's, it's huge. Now, here's the thing. A guy that wealthy, um, I mean, if I didn't know what he was involved in and I got an invitation to go to his island, I mean, who knows? I may have gone. So I'm sure there were innocent people that got mixed up in it, went there, and maybe found out or whatever. But I'm sure of all the people that went there, not all of them were scummy dirtbags. I'm sure of it. Okay. But yeah, here's the truth. Okay. Um, of all the people that did go, we know that there are some scummy dirtbags. I want to know who they are. You should want to know who they are. Because if we don't shine the light of truth on what was happening there, how do you not know it's not happening right now because the people involved may have just moved to a different place? Like, uh, who knows? Another place where they can live or do what they do with immunity. I do believe everyone is innocent till proven guilty, but some people were really closely associated with Jeffrey Epstein. Isn't there something you want to know about that? I do. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. So the unfortunate thing about this kind of business is, although Jeffrey Epstein is dead, the business, I'm sure, did not die. It was too profitable of an enterprise. So who took his place? Where did all these connections end up? Where are they going with such a lucrative business like that today? And who's in charge? If the people who were involved with him are not taken to task, what are they going to feel like? Well, looks like we got away with it. We're scot-free. We can go on and do whatever we want to do. That's how they're going to feel. And who knows where they are or what they're doing? Hey, they could even be in China. China. I love the way Trump says that. Isn't that beautiful? China. I love them. China. 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 I have to have my China. Right now, China's emboldened. In other words, they feel like they could do anything that they want to do. And here's the reason why. We have a president and an administration that is basically giving them a pass. Just recently, there were some hackers associated with the Chinese military that infiltrated numerous critical U.S. 
uh, operations in the past year. And what they found, basically, what they were searching for, is they were looking to find out what the United States' capabilities were in relation to their capabilities in case a potential problem ever arose, like, let's say, Taiwan, okay? So what China wanted to know is what, what would our capabilities be if they went in and took over Taiwan, and what would the United States be capable of doing at that time? So the attempts by these Chinese hackers to compromise critical infrastructure um, seem to be more than just, you know, inquiring. It seemed to be very strategic. In other words, they looked, it looked as if they were positioning themselves in order to destroy certain infrastructure in the United States in case of a conflict down the road. Now, the ultimate goal, at least from my perspective, is uh, that China wants to impede the United States' ability to be able to do anything uh, in Asia, to be able to respond should China go in and take Taiwan back, because I think that's what they're going to do. So think about this for a minute. We know that Biden got money from China. So if Biden deems that 2024 is a lost cause for him, isn't it possible he can engage one of his close friends, President Xi? Hey, remember me? You know, the one you gave $5 million to here, the one you gave my son, you know, you know, you remember me. Yeah. See, Biden is the chaos master. I mean, look, he's cre created chaos ever since he's gotten in office. Since 2020, he's created chaos everywhere. He's the chaos master. But it's not enough to win the 24 election. So wouldn't it be possible he can call President Xi? Say, hey, I need a little more chaos. Hmm. Why? Can you imagine if something really happened? Like our infrastructure got disrupted? And the government has to issue an order. Oh, the 24 election right around the corner is only a month away. Uh, we, don't, we don't feel like it would be safe for the American people to go to the polls. So we're going to put in hundreds of thousands of drop boxes all across the nation so that we can have a still a, a fair vote. These guys will do anything to maintain power. I wouldn't put anything past these nut jobs. They are crazy. The Biden administration is weak and she knows it. Biden is making excuses every day for China. Listen to some of his speeches. In fact, I have a short clip. Just listen to this clip and listen to what our president is saying about China. Here it is. I don't think this is going to cause China to invade Taiwan. In fact, the opposite probably would have the, the same capacity that it had before. He has his hands full right now. He has a overwhelming unemployment with his use. One of the major economic tenants of his plan isn't working at all right now. So who do you think she would prefer to be in office? Trump or Biden? <laughs> yeah, you don't want Trump in there. You kidding me? He was putting tariffs on stuff for China. You better believe it. He wants Biden. And with Biden, he knows he has a pass to do whatever he wants to do. And who's going to do anything about it? Germany? France? The UK? Nobody, nobody's got the guts or the money or the power to be able to do anything except the United States. America, we are the last lighthouse in the dark sea of chaos in the world. So without us, China pretty much gets to run the world the way they want to. 
the Biden administration is sad. It's very sad to see they have this. Uh, well, they don't even have a policy on Taiwan. It, it's 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 ambiguity. They say one thing and then they say another thing. Personally, there's no way Biden is not working with China. There's no way he is working with China to wreak chaos in 24. Especially if it looks like Trump is going to whip him at the polls, and believe me, that's what it looks like. How else do you really think after all this chaos that they're just going to go, okay, well, we'll just let Trump win? No, that's not going to happen, my friends. It's not going to happen. We need to be open minded and prepared enough to know that the left will do anything to retain power, and that includes bringing chaos to America. Hey, the borders are wide open. Uh, millions of people, they ate 9 million. It's probably closer to 15 or 20 million that they allowed in, mostly unvetted. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy. Hardly any arrests. Nobody being you know vetted, so we don't know what their background is. So the left is good at many things. And the most important thing in my eyes that we need to notice that they're good at, and that is creating chaos. So be prepared. Be prepared. Thanks for being with us today. If you like our show, write us a review. Click subscribe on our channel. And, and listen, you can write to us, Mike at thecalopodcast.com. Mike at thecalopodcast.com. Let us know what topics you'd like us to discuss. And uh, until next time, this is Mike Kalo, Exposed, the Kalo Podcast. God bless you and God bless America. Listen, before we go, listen carefully. I'm closing out with a video from the Biden White House. Merry Christmas, everybody. 